0: Hey guys, thanks for tuning in today to the JTP Church Podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message. If you want to share with us what God is doing in your life, you can write us at hello at jtp.church. If you would like to partner with us and make a financial gift to our ministry, you can visit us at www.jtp.church and make a donation. Now sit back and enjoy the message. I share the sentiment that The previous people that were up here said there's something about tonight, right? And tonight I want to take the opportunity to be able to speak about something that in the seven months that we've started, I haven't got a chance to speak about, and it's about giving. Everybody say giving. (laughs) I was expecting some (laughs) applauses or some shouts of praise and excitement. somebody shouting over there, it's my favorite subject. (laughs) Amen. What I titled today's sermon is, The Most Unbelieved Beatitude. The Most Unbelieved Beatitude. If you guys remember, there was a famous sermon that Jesus shared once. It's called the Sermon of the Mount, and he sat down with his disciples and a bunch of people, and he started sharing about a lot of things, and it's called the Beatitudes. And one of the most unbelieved Beatitudes that he shared on that Sermon of the Mount could be found in Acts 20.35. And it says, "It is more blessed to give than to receive." You see why it's not so much believed, you see? <laughs> Let me share it again. Acts 20:35 says, "It is more blessed to give than to receive." And the people who said, "Amen are the people that have been in church forever, right? But if you think about it, this statement goes against all human intuition. It goes against all human instincts. Because if you think about it, giving is better than getting. Melissa was sharing a little bit about that today, about her being selfish when it comes to food, right? She has Adam slaving, cooking for her, and he's a pretty good chef, right? From what I hear, I I see the snaps. And sometimes, just by nature, we're more getters than givers. But the Bible says, and this is a spiritual principle, that when you're a giver more than a taker, it's more blessed. If I give more than what I get, God's going to bless me even more. It's a spiritual principle, and it be, may be a little bit hard to believe, but if you believe the Bible to be true, anybody here believe the Bible to be true? then this is a principle, and this is a beatitude, that it's worth applying and believing and putting it to work for your life. How many of you guys want to be blessed? We love that word. Sometimes we don't understand how to get to that place where we're blessed, and it's through our giving. So today, I was texting Jesus early on in the week, and I told him I'm going to pull a letterman, and he didn't understand what I was saying. Well, then I told him, I'm going to give a top ten today, top ten reasons why we should give to God. All right. So if you guys have paper and pencil or if you're going to take notes, we're going to talk about ten reasons why it's important to give to God. Amen? You guys ready? Let's jump into this. Number one. It's good to give to God because we don't own anything. Tell the person next to you, we don't own anything. And I want to share with you a few verses. First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 14. Go with me. And if you don't have your Bibles, for whatever reason, you could always take a look at the screens. First Chronicles 29, 14 says, But who am I? King David is writing this. And who are my people that we should be able to offer so willingly as this? For all things come from you, and of your own we have given you. This is an example of somebody that considers giving a privilege. And David is saying, look, who am I that I get the opportunity and the privilege to be able to give to God? Because in the end, I don't own anything. Everything we could give to God came from you to begin with. I'm here to tell you that in this society we could become so stingy. So egotistical, we could become so greedy and just think about ourselves. As a matter of fact, society teaches us to be that way. But when you understand that giving is what opens the door to blessing, and you start letting that instruction go into your heart and letting God change you, things start changing. Because in the end, you probably live inside a house, even if you pay a mortgage, even if you have your house paid off, you don't own that house. You know why? Because one day you're gonna die. And you're not going to take that house with you to heaven. That house is going to be passed on to an heir, to your son, to your daughter, or to whoever you leave in your trust or in your will. Sometimes, and I do this all the time, I say my wife. But you know what? I don't own her. She doesn't belong to me. I sometimes say my car. I say my family. But all these things I don't own because I came naked into this world, and one day I will leave this world naked. So in the end, what am I? We are stewards. Everybody say stewards. Stewards. I got this little time here on earth to be able to administer things that, by God's grace, God gives me. Some have been given more than others, but one day we're going to have to go before God and say, look, this is what I did in this short time as a steward with the wife that you gave me, and I'm going to have, as a man of my household, to give an account to God to how I treated my wife. And she's back there, and I know she's about to say amen. (laughs) She's like, amen. And one day God's going to call me with respect to my family and see how I led my family. He's going to call me with respect to my house, my finances. So in the end, everybody say, we're stewards. We don't own anything. You don't even own your life because when you turn over your life and when you accept Jesus Christ, you now belong to God. That's what it means, turning your life over to God. Now you're led by Him. Before you used to do whatever you wanted, but now you're led by the Holy Spirit and you walk by faith not by sight directed by what the holy spirit says so everybody say we don't own anything we are stewards in this place a little girl wrote a letter saying my uncle was the tightest man i've ever known all his life every time he got paid he took twenty dollars off his paycheck and he put it under his mattress reminds me of my dad by the way if you guys know the testimony then he got sick and was about to die and as he was dying he said to his wife I want you to promise me one thing. And she said, promise what? Well, I want you to promise me that when I'm dead, you'll take all my money from under the mattress and put it in my casket so that I could take it with me. And, well, the lady said, all right, fine. I'll do it. His wife conceded. So the girl's letter went on to say, when he died, his wife kept the promise. She went in, pulled up the mattress, got all the money, went to the bank, deposited the money, and wrote a check, and put it in the casket. (laughs) Smart wife, right? Why is this funny? Because it doesn't make any sense, you taking money with you, because it's not going to go anywhere. Nothing that we do here we can take on, except for the things that we store up, treasures in heaven. And we're going to get to that part in a little bit. The second reason why we should give to God is because we can. Everybody say, because we can If you're considering giving to God, it's because you have resources to consider whether to give or not. If you wouldn't have anything, then there's nothing to consider. But if we can, it's because we have something. How many say amen? Corey Tenbroom said, I have held many things in my hands and I have lost them all. But whatever I have placed in God's hands, that I still possess. You see, whatever you put in God's hands, God multiplies. It's an investment. The Bible says store up treasures in heaven where thieves cannot come and take. You know, how many of you guys have ever been a victim of a theft that they stolen from you? Myself too, a couple of times. You feel invaded. You feel that they took something that's yours and it doesn't feel good. The Bible says that when you store up treasures in heaven, there's no thief up there that can take away. I was talking to Antonio about somebody that he brought to church and he's been working with and, and I started telling him because this young man that he brought, you know, he started getting his life together and God started using him and a lot of things started happening in his life and I said, you know what God says? You know, when you do that, that's storing up treasures in heaven. When you're talking to people, when we connect people like we did yesterday, we want a group of 11 people out just to talk to people about Christ right here in the community. And we connect the 20 people to God, you know, and we're going to be following up this week. And when you do that, you're storing up treasures in heaven. When you sow into the kingdom of God, you're storing up treasures in heaven. And there's no thief that can go into there and steal. Look what Matthew six nineteen through 21 says. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. I think one of the important things to ask ourselves today is where is our treasure? Are you following after the things of this world? I mean, we need money, and we need things, and we all have dreams to accomplish things. I know I have dreams that I still haven't fulfilled as a man of my house and as a provider of my family. But you know what? We have to understand that the most important place where we should make and store up treasures is where? Come on, JTP Church. In heaven. In heaven, because none of that will go to waste. You see, God doesn't need your money. God's not broke. God's not you know, and asking people to help, to contribute. He doesn't need your money. He's doing all right. Giving is a matter of the heart. A father picked up his son from elementary school, and on the way home, they stopped by a Mickey D's. They stopped by a McDonald's. His son loved fries, so he got him an order of large fries. And after paying for them and receiving them, they drove off. And a few seconds later, he tried to slickly stick his hand inside the bag and pull a fry, and his son just slapped his hand. Isn't that what we do when we don't tithe a week sometimes? Isn't that what we do when we let the buckets pass and you act like you're blind or something, right? And you don't... Think about it because sometimes we don't realize it. The father paid for the entire pack of fries so that the son could enjoy it. It's something that he generously gave and then the son was greedy and didn't want to share it. You know, when we have an opportunity to tithe, just like King David said, that it's a privilege. I get to tithe. Who am I that I get to give to God if everything belongs to him? If I have something, if I have a pack of fries, it's because God gave it to me. How am I not going to share? How am I not going to recognize God who gave me all things, who gave me life, who I'm standing in his presence, who I have health, I have money in my pocket, I was able to eat today. How am I not going to give an offering? How am I not going to recognize him by tithing? So everybody say, we give to God because we can. Number three, we give to God because giving makes you God-dependent as opposed to self-dependent. You see, you need faith to give your tithes and offerings. And maybe there's people here that don't know what tithes is, but the Bible says that 10% of everything we make belongs to God. Like we said, God is not broke. God doesn't need your money. But you need to give your tithe because when you give your tithe, you're showing God that you depend on him and that you're not depending on yourself. Amen? We need it. And when we honor God with 10%, you know what? God will continue buying you fries every time you're with them, if you know what I mean, right? If I have $100 and I give $10 tithe, which is 10%, the law of subtraction tells you, well, you have less now. Am I right? How much do you have? Come on, my math majors. 90. But what math doesn't teach you is that there's a God factor that is added to the 90 that will make it more lasting and enjoyable than if you kept your $100. So it's better to have 90 plus God's blessing than to have 100 without God's blessing. And for that, you need faith. For that, you need faith because if you don't have faith, you're saying, yeah, but you know what? I need 100, and if I give 10, I'm only going to have 90, and I'm not going to be able to cover for all the things that I have in the week. So you don't have faith that God is going to supply your needs if you give your tithe. So it's a matter of faith. Malachi chapter 3, you know we can't talk about giving without sharing Malachi 3, right? (laughs) You knew it was going to pop up somewhere. Malachi chapter 3, verse 8 through 12, God is talking to his people, Israel, through a prophet. That prophet's name was Malachi. And God is speaking to them, and he tells them, will a man rob God? He's asking them a question. And then he continues saying, well, you have robbed me, but you say, And what have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. Tell the person next to you, there is a way that you can steal from God. You can't go up to heaven. First of all, you can't get there. And second of all, trying to get past God into his treasure house and take something and bring it down to earth. Physically impossible. But when you don't give your tithes and offerings, the Bible says that we're stealing from him. These are pretty hard words, but he says you are cursed with a curse. For you have robbed me, even this whole nation. But then being the loving God that He is, He always gives a solution. How many say Amen to that? That God always gives you a solution to be able to. You see, when when we mess up, when sometimes we fall, you know, a bunch of people came down here, you know, today because they needed God's grace. You know, you're broken for whatever reason, maybe you've messed up along the way, or something happens. You know, God restores us, you know, He brings us in and He gives us a solution, right? Today we were singing about that, you know, Oh, come to the altar. God's grace is flowing, you know, forgiveness is flowing, and he always brings a solution. So he's sharing a solution with these people that were stealing from him, and he says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. In other words, whatever you were doing until now, if you've stolen up to now and you weren't giving your tithes, fine, repent from that and start from now Giving your tithes. Bring them to the storehouse. Storehouse is where you're fed, right? It's because the Bible says that we should bring them to the place where we're spiritually fed. In other words, to our church. So that a few things happen. Number one, there may be food in my house. Everybody say, there will be food in God's house if I tithe what's food food is the gospel of jesus christ there's a lot of people hungry for god out there and when you bring your tithes and offerings that helps us through ministry it helps us get the word of god his hope into people that don't know through radio through tv through all the different mediums that we use so that's one of the things that god does for the house as long as everybody tithes there's always going to be food in the house how many say amen but then look what happens try me now in this. It's the only place in the Bible where God says, try me. He doesn't say try me when you're sick and you need healing. He doesn't say try me when you need to be delivered of an oppression or anything. The only time in the Bible where God says, try me is when it has to do with money. But he says, try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out, for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. You know what that talks to me about? Overabundance. He says he's going to bless you so much that you don't have room, so much that you got to give it away. More than what you need, more than what you desire. So this is the kind of thing that God does when we're faithful in tithing. That's why the devil doesn't want you to tithe. He wants you broke. And then he says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. There's a lot of people that make a lot of money, but then they say, man, I don't know where my money went. I just make good money, and it's only been four days, and I don't even have money for these next three days until I get paid. Where did it all go? The devourer. But God says that when you tithe, he will rebuke the devourer so that he won't destroy the fruit of your ground. Nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field. Whatever you do, you're going to be prosperous. Your business is going to prosper over your competitors because you have the God factor. How many say amen? Yeah, it works. And all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. I want you to put your arm next to somebody that you have close and tell them you are a desirable land. When you tithe, when you're faithful with your offering, you're a desirable land. Two men were stranded on an island. One man, he paced back and forth. He was worried and scared while the other man sat back in the island just tanning. And the guy that was pacing was, he couldn't understand. He said, Aren't you afraid that we're about to die? And the second man, while he was tanning, he said, No, I make $100,000 a week and tithe faithfully to my church every week. My pastor will find me. <laughs> I'd find them. <laughs> Number four, we give to God because giving advances God's kingdom. We give to God because giving advances God's kingdom. How many of you guys have iPhones or tablet? Raise your hand. You know, many of us have contributed to Apple in one way or another. We've helped the company grow from a garage operation to being a worldwide empire today and I'm happy for doing that right it's made my life much easier I'm actually using a tablet right now to preach my phone helps me connect with people a lot easier but think about how amazing it is when we get to fund the mission of Christ you buying a phone Apple helped you connect with people a lot easier but when you fund and when you give to God it helps you connect other people to the Savior to connect with their divine destiny So how important to give to God to be able to advance God's kingdom? We're not a church that sits comfortable in our four walls, as you guys know, while people are hopeless and faithless just outside of our walls. That's why we bought a TV channel. We have three radio stations. That's why we witness on a day like yesterday. And we continue to do everything possible to get the good news of the gospel to people that are out there and hurting Every single service, we always pick up a second offering. And that second offering at the end of the service goes to fund the outreach and evangelism programs that we have. We are investing in spiritual and eternal welfare in people. Our dollars are changing homes. Our dollars are changing relationships. When you give, it's changing countries and even the eternal destiny of many lives. You guys heard a little bit about what happened in Argentina, and you guys guys were givers. Every time you tithe, it allows us to do the work of God, not just here locally, but through the media and also in different places like Argentina where we've gone. That goes to prove what Malachi 3 says. There will be food in my house. How many say amen to that? Put your hands together for God while I drink some water. Number five, we give to God because giving satisfies God's greatest longing, obedience. Obedience. Everybody say obedience. I don't have time to share this with you, but you can write it down. 1 Samuel fifteen twenty-two. the Bible says that God loves obedience over sacrifices we have trouble being faithful and doing things consistently and we fail and we do something a couple of weeks and then we fall and then we, but you know, when you are consistent and you're faithful, God honors obedience. God honors faithfulness rather than sacrifices. That's the story of Samuel. Obedience over sacrifices. Every act of obedience recognizes that there is a higher authority in our lives. When you were small and you obeyed what your parents told you to do, You're recognizing your parents, and you're giving honor to them by obeying them, right? When they told you don't do this, and you obeyed them, and you didn't do it, you're honoring their authority. They have a higher authority than you. Same with God. When we come to God and God tells us, look, don't do this, or do this, apply this to your life, and you obey it, you're recognizing that God's authority is greater than yours. Obedience sometimes is difficult, and depending on, on our temperament, our personality, our circumstances, we may find some commands relatively easy to obey and then others difficult. For most of us, I think that money is one of the most difficult things to obey. Maybe some of you guys would have liked that page in the Bible to have been ripped off or kept off. Yeah? Some people hate the book of Malachi. Say, Lord, why couldn't you leave Malachi out? But you know, it's not about picking and choosing. It's about being able to, even with those areas in our lives that it's hard for us to obey, if something is difficult for you to obey, put more emphasis and ask God and pray so that you could overcome that and you could be obedient when it comes to giving. We need to know that divine lordship is not a threat. Rather, it's the place of greatest safety. Lordship is submitting, being obedient. Sometimes we don't like that word. Ever since we were young, you know, sometimes we rebel to what our parents said our parents wanted us home by 11, come 12 o'clock, and we had trouble, some of us, right, being able to submit to the authority of our parents. And sometimes with God, it's the same thing. But when you understand that it's a blessing to submit to God's lordship, that every time that God tells you to do something or not to do something, it's for your own good, and you submit to that, you know what? God's going to bless you. It's a place of safety. How many say amen? Number six, we give because giving is the path to trust God's provision. The biggest deterrent to giving is fear. If I give too much, then I won't have enough for this and I won't have enough for that. When we give sacrificially above and beyond what is comfortable and easy, we are expressing our faith and trust in God to provide for our family. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 1, Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. How many believe that scripture? cast your bread, you know, share, you know, give, don't be stingy, cast your bread, be a giver, and after many days you will find it. Whenever we trust God and obey Him, He will in turn fulfill His promise of provision. Can somebody raise their hand and declare, God's going to provide for me for all my needs, for all my desires, as long as I am a giver and a faithful giver in that. Wherever Or whenever we trust God and obey him, he will in turn fulfill his promise. Number seven, we give because giving, or by giving, we exemplify God's character. Giving in a right spirit is an act of worship. When you give, you're worshiping God. Today we were worshiping God, giving him glory for all his deeds, giving him glory for who he was, how good he's been to us. That's worship. When you come early to JTP Church and you don't come just to hear the preaching or see what God can give you, but to honor him and to worship him, that's an act of worship, right? It's an act of giving. But when we also give our tithes, when we give our offerings, that's worship unto God too. How many say amen? Whenever you rid yourself of a little piece of you, whether it be through money or time or any resource, to give to God and to honor God, you're worshiping him. Amen? So every time we give, every time, that's why I tell my leaders always, and I tell the the worship team, whenever those buckets pass, man, do whatever you can to give something, right? If you just have $1 to give all week because for whatever reason you didn't have a lot of money, you know, go and change the dollar, at least give 10 cents, but don't ever show up in a service and be empty-handed because the Bible says that God blesses a cheerful giver, when you put thought into that and you say, you know what, I'm going to come and hear from God, but I don't want to come. He's been too, so good for me, and he's been so faithful to my life that I don't want to show up and be empty-handed. I want to honor God. Maybe we can't give $100 every time we come, right? Maybe we're not at that level. We'll get there, but maybe we're not there yet. But you know what? Whatever you can now, strive to be able to give God the best that you can, and God will multiply it. If, you, if it's $1 every time you come, And you're faithful, God will multiply. So you can give five dollars months from now or or weeks from now. And then once you start giving five, you can give ten. And then giving your tithes. And God blesses the cheerful giver. And when you start giving, that beatitude becomes true in your life, right? It's more blessed to give than to receive. How many say amen? Amen. (laughs) Giving in a right spirit, it's an act of worship, it's rendering him a tribute. Of praise and it's saying you gave me everything and here's a small expression of my gratitude and praise for all your good gifts. Psalms one sixteen twelve says, "What shall I render to the Lord for all His benefits towards me?" David is saying, I mean, God has been so good that what can I give that can match everything that God's given to me? And if you start comparing and trying to match what God's given, you can never outgive God, never. Even if you tried, I don't care how much money you have, you can never outgive give God. He gave us eternal life. He gave us redemption. He gave us forgiveness of sins. He's blessed us. So David is saying, look, I come unto God, but how can I render to God something that is equal to all the benefits that he's given to me? Number eight, we give because it's just the right thing to do. Back to the example, giving a fry back to the one, a French fry. Back to the one who bought you the entire French fry pack is the right thing to do. Amen? Finishing up here. Number nine, we give because giving generously protects you from greed and materialism. 1 Timothy 6. I actually had 20. I could go on for 20 if you guys want. Nah, I'm going to keep it short today. But there's so many reasons to give to God. God's been so good. And giving always, always promotes you. 1 Timothy 6, we're going to read from 6 to 10. It says, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money. Everybody say the love of money. Some people misinterpret this text and they say money is the root of all evil. No, no. Love of money. Because every single person here needs money. Am I right? To be able to reach your dreams, to get the car that you want to drive, to buy the house that you want to live in. We all need money. But when you love money more than God, that's when it becomes a problem. So that's why it's talking about those who desire to be rich. There are people that love money more than God. And their focus more than accomplishing God's will for their lives is just becoming rich and rich and rich. So I can accumulate and accumulate and keep, 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 keep. And the Bible says that when we do that, it's foolish and harmful and it drowns people in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith. There's some people that started off right, serving God, but, you know, they got carried away. They strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through many sorrows because their love was greater for money than it was for God. There was a young banker that was driving his BMW in the mountains during a snowstorm, and as he rounded a turn, the vehicle slid out of control and toward a cliff. At the last moment, he unbuckled his seatbelt, and he jumped from the car, Though he escaped with his life, his left arm was caught near the hinge of the door and tore it off at the shoulder. A trucker was passing by, nearby, and he witnessed the accident. He stopped his rig and he ran back to see if he could help him. And there standing in a state of shock was the banker at the edge of the cliff moaning, Oh no, my BMW, my BMW. The trucker pointed to the banker's shoulder and said, Man, you've got bigger problems than your car. And when the banker looked at his shoulder, finally realizing he lost his arm, he said, Oh, no, my Rolex, my Rolex. (laughs) You laugh, but some people are so materialistic, and one of the things that giving does is that it helps you stay humble, it helps you recognize that God is the one who blesses you, that God is the one who sustains you, and you know what? There's a confidence about this. This was number 10. No, this was number nine. There's one more, but before we get to number 10, there's a confidence about giving to God because when you're faithful in your tithes, you could be going through a storm in your life and your finances, but you know what? You could just be at peace. Because as long as you're being faithful to God, you know that God has your back. David said this, i never seen God turn his back on a just person, on a faithful person. And I've never seen his descendants needy. So there's a promise of God when you're a giver and you're faithful to God and giving your tithes faithfully, week in and week out. There's a promise of provision for God and protection over your family. That's why God says, look, bring your tithes to the storehouse. And if you do, I'm going to make sure that your family is protected. There's going to be food in my house so people can know about the gospel. You know, we're going to be able to do everything that we're, that we're doing here as a church, but also over your life because you trusted in me and because you were able to faithfully give your tithes and jump in faith and try this and you're going to see that I'm going to open the floodgates of heaven, I'm going to bless you beyond measure, the devourer is not going to be able to touch the stuff that he was touching, and I'm going to protect everything that you do. God's provision will flow freely. Amen? And I've seen this. I grew up in the gospel, so I've been practicing this since I was a kid. When my dad used to do the tent crusades back in the 80s, I was his sidekick. So my dad would preach, and I had this little, it was like, like a tape, because back then we had no cds right we had no mp3s no ipods or anything like that so it was a tape we used to record the master of his preaching and the minute he said all right guys let's stand on our feet that the service was finishing i will take that tape and i will go into this reproducer and i will put the master and it will make me three tapes right in two minutes and i reproduce them and then i would make like nine or ten and then for every single tape that I sold. We used to sell them for $5. My dad used to give me 50 cents. When we had a guest speaker come, I'm like, yes, I'm going to sell like, yes. And I remember I used to grab those tapes, and, and my dad will pay me. And I remember sometimes I sell two, sometimes I sell five. My dad will give me a dollar for selling two tapes, and he'll make me go across the street, and he'll make me change it so that I could give 10 cents as a tithe. And ever since I was little, I was doing that, right? And let me tell you, I've been through financial storms in my life, but always God has a way of providing for me. God always has a way of using even those negative storms that appear negative at the moment to bring out blessings that, I mean, just surprise me. And that leaves me no other option to say, wow, this was God doing this. So the word comes to pass. There's never a just person that's left on their own. God always backs you up and your descendants. This is a blessing and a promise, not just for you, but when you give to God faithfully, you know you're creating a future of prosperity, of blessing, of protection for your children and the children of your children. How many say amen to that? Can we give God glory for that? And last but not least, we give because what goes around comes around, multiplied. And I want to share two verses as we finish. If you guys can help me out, the worship team. Luke chapter 6, verse 37 and 38 says, Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Everybody say give, and it will be given to you. You see, what's the first order of business there? Getting or giving? Giving. Okay, sometimes we say, oh, God, when you give, then I'll give. No, no, no. doesn't work that way. You got it upside down. Give, and it will come back to you. And then God starts comparing what you give to what he's going to give you for giving. And he says, you're going to receive good measure. Everybody say good measure. God's not cheap. He's not broke. He owns all the gold and all the silver. So your father is rich, right? So when you are faithful to God, You can expect to go to him whenever you have a need and say, God, I got the situation. Come on, help me out. Send provision, open the doors, and he will come through. Good measure. Then it says, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put in your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. If you're stingy with God, then he'll give stingily to you. If you're generous with God, he'll be generous with you. How many say amen? Amen. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6 and 7. It says exactly that same concept, but different wording. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. It's talking about sowing. Sometimes we call giving to God sowing. Because in reality, we're not throwing away money. We're not losing when we give to God. It's an investment. Everybody say an investment. It's like planting a seed. And that's what sowing is. You sow the seed and then you water it. And then you had to give up the seed, but what did you get? You got a plant full of fruit that have many seeds. Everybody say multiplication. So God says, if you sow sparingly, you're going to receive sparingly. How many of you guys want to receive many blessings from God, generous blessings from God? Okay. So God says, he who sows bountifully or generously will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposed in his heart, not grudgingly, don't give out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Stand on your feet. I want to close off today by letting you know that we don't have to give. We get to give. And we give to get. When you give, it opens the door so God can give you and so provision can flow. Amen. How many believe that? I want to challenge you guys. I want to challenge you guys to be able to be givers and apply this. Apply this over your house. I know some of you guys have been coming to church for a long time. You've been doing it forever. The other day I was thinking, man, what does a new person that comes to church and it's not used to tithing feel once they have to start tithing, because sometimes we come to church and we didn't know about these spiritual principles and you have your budget done and you know sometimes we live beyond our means and we, we're tight or we're right there barely covering and now we have to give tithe, so where am I going to get it out of? And that's why I said that sometimes it takes a step of faith. Maybe that's why God said, try me in this. Maybe that's why it's the only part in the entire Bible where God says, try me, just try me. Try this for a month and you'll see how I'm going to open the floodgates of heaven. And, you know, I believe God's word to be true. And I want to challenge people today that aren't tithing. Start trying, God. Try it for two weeks. Try it for three weeks and see if God's not going to start doing things and changing your finances, opening doors. Maybe you're in a job that you're getting paid a certain amount, and maybe God opens a door for another job, or maybe God gives you resources to start your own business and quit that job that's paying you chop change compared to what you can make with your own business. Or maybe God connects you with somebody that's going to provide for you or that's going to teach you a trade so that you could put your business. to God works in so many different ways. The important thing is not how he works because that's his job to do. You don't have to figure out what God's going to do because that's his job. What you have to do is try him, put faith in this and say, you know what, I'm going to test God. And you're going to see how God starts opening the doors. And not just financially, because sometimes we associate, you know, just finances. But God is going to protect your health. When he talks about the devourer, that he's going to keep the devourer out of your family, it's talking about health. It's talking about robbing your peace. It's talking about anxiety. It's talking about so many other things that sometimes we can't quantify. But God says that when he blesses you and when you trust him with your finances and with your tithe, you're recognizing him as the Lord of your life. It's like saying, God, you're my protector because here I'm trusting you. I'm putting my trust in you. I'm, I'm getting rid of this. This is mine. I'm giving it up voluntarily because I trust you. And when you have that attitude towards God, then God starts doing his job. Protection, safety, peace, joy. Amen? God has many ways of blessing us. I heard a preacher say this once. They asked him, hey, pastor, what's a good offering? And thinking that he was going to get a reply saying, well, $1,000 is a good offering. You know, if you give $10,000, that's a good offering. He didn't give him an amount. He said, a good offering is one that gets you thinking the minute you walk out of church saying, oh my gosh, what did I do? That's a good offering. And for some of us, maybe that's five bucks. For others, maybe it's a 1000 maybe it's 100 But you know, those are the things that causes you to walk in faith and take a step in faith. And those are the things that activate god's promises over your life sometimes you don't see nothing supernatural because you never do anything that causes god to be able to act and do what he promised in the word of god and i close off with this i don't know if i've ever shared this in the english services but we were about to get married with carla and i remember we put a down payment on our townhouse and we had five thousand dollars left over that's all we had and it was going to be to be able to furnish the townhouse it was going to cost us a lot more than $5,000. You know, we had to do the kitchen, you know, the bedrooms. It was going to cost about $10,000. So we didn't even have enough money to furnish everything. We had to get into debt in order to be able to furnish it. But we did have 5000 laying there waiting for us to get married and for them to give us the key to the townhouse. And then I remember a preacher came, and it was Coquista, if I'm not mistaken. This preacher by the name of Ricardo Di Rocco came, and he started saying from here, I was sitting right over there with my wife, and he started saying, There's somebody here, God tells me, that has five thousand dollars, and you have it saved for something specific. God says, Give it right now, and you're gonna see the glory of God. I'm like, devil, you're a liar. I rebuke you. And man, I was I started to struggle. I mean, five thousand dollars, it kept on going and it kept on going. And, it was exactly the amount that I had. Carly was not back of me or close to me, and I looked to her, and I go, babe, I mean, that's exactly how much we have. Could God be speaking to us? And, and Carly, she didn't even think about it. That's why I love her because, you know, sometimes God connects you, and it's so important to have somebody that's in the same faith and the same spirit because if she would have said, hell no, I ain't giving," give me, you know, <laughs> it would have been bad. <laughs> but I just looked at her, and she's like, let's do it. Let's trust God. And you know what? We went, and we gave it. It was hard because it was everything we had. Now we had to put the entire $10,000. We're going to get deeper in debt. Uh, But we trusted God. It was a move of faith. Months after that passed, we had a townhouse that I had bought when I was single. You know, I had it rented out, but we were in debt. And we're like, you know what? Let's just sell it, you know, to be able to cover our debt. So... We started selling it and it wouldn't sell, it wouldn't sell, it wouldn't sell. I think we spent like eight months paying two mortgages where we were living now, just recently married, plus this one that we were selling. And it was right about when the crisis came and everything started tanking 2008 or 2007. Right before everything started tanking, after eight months in the market, I had bought it for $189,000 and I got a chance to sell it for $305,000. And we made just a hundred, like a hundred and something thousand dollars just in that transaction. All I did is I bought the townhouse, I rented it for two years, I never even lived in it because I was single, and then sold it, made that money. And you know what we did? First thing we made that money, we came and we gave God twenty five thousand dollars, biggest offering I've ever given. And we went and we said, God, you blessed us with this. And I believe that that's because we gave the five thousand dollars, right? God blessed us. I never thought I'd make so much money months after from a house. And now God blessed me. But you see, you can never stay with God's blessing. When God blesses you, give something back because that keeps the blessing flowing. So we went and we wrote a check. That's when we were purchasing the TV channel back in 2008, 2009. Boom, we gave $25,000, the greatest offering that we've given. I'm planning on beating that. You? Yeah, we're going to beat it. Amen. Why? I'm expecting that because, you know, when you show yourself not to be greedy and possessive with the things that God gives you, God opens the doors.